January 1, 2024. It's all for Pedro Show. Uh, you sure now that they are so surprised that uh, you are so called the physical man. You have a great uh, future in the physical. And then they said that you always eat vegetable more than uh, meat. No, I don't quite they understand. They asked the, uh, what do you eat? And they said that the, you mainly eat vegetable. Yeah, fruit. fruit. Yeah. And uh, also the men who always concentrate on eating vegetable right after vegetable and vegetable. <coughs> we call a vegetarianist or something. Vegetarian, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you now? Yeah, yeah. I'm now, yes. Oh, how, how do you keep this kind of the so-called energy just to eat... Uh, Oh, vegetable. Well, I, I asked you and then I asked that, uh, to keep the uh, long stage, uh, you know, uh, 31 hour stage. And the vegetable will help you so much, but uh, uh, is this the vegetable really help you so much? Or uh, why did you decide to be the man of a vegetable man? Well, it's, uh, I feel that uh, I guess it's, it's more of a spiritual reason than any other reason in my with me, mm -hmm. because I find that uh, I, I it's, uh, it causes me to be uh, much calmer. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. Person, you know, mm -hmm. and the nerves, you know, mm -hmm. are much oh, calmer. You see, mm -hmm. and uh, huh? Oh, really? If you try just that, to... That's for me. I don't know if it would be the same with everybody, oh, you see. <laughs> but I see. this I found out with, in my own experiments. I found this out, mm. And uh, I have uh, less trouble, you know, mm -hmm. being in command of uh -huh. my passions uh -huh. and emotions mm -hmm. and so forth. And my body has less mm -hmm. work to do in mm -hmm. uh, grinding this food up. Uh -huh. So therefore I have more energy to... Oh, Mm, that's really great. That's uh, helped me too much. Well, I'm skinny enough, and then try well, to eat some more. You get some milkshakes. <laughs> no, well, I want to get like you. See, if, if I get like you, I don't yeah, I got too much of this on here, man. Well, that's great. I don't know what happened. I beat the living shit out of him. I beat that motherfucker. He was bleeding from the nose, the mouth, the ear. I beat him. If, I mean, if people didn't come around, I'd kill him. walking down the street, I saw these guys running with the Liberian boxing team on their back. I'm like, fuck. Plot for Pedro Show. Happy Monday. Happy first of the year, 2024. Happy New Year, good people. 
we rang it in here in Pedro with the earthquake about halfway from here to Catalina Island, 12 miles offshore was an earthquake. It was one I never experienced, you know, I've experienced a few and they're usually slow and rolling and won't stop. This was a quick shaker. Yeah, a jolt. Anyway, enough about what? Because of those Skype, uh, I asked people to talk one at a time, but we got a little anarchist vibe going here, so. <laughs> you guys are going to have lots of time to talk. Just let me introduce you, please. Because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me, Travis Dickerson, Alex Lambert. Welcome aboard Watt for Pedro Show. Now, who wants uh, this music you gave me, uh, Running With Deer? Uh, pl- please enlighten me. It's a concept, right? It's a big opera? <laughs> Sister Alex? <laughs> you want to say something? Or you want to... <laughs> It's a concept album, isn't it? It's it, it's really based on Alex's idea, and it's a terrific idea for a record uh, about, uh, I guess you were inspired by the sounds of the gym uh, initially. Yeah. Correct, Alex? Yeah, Sammy, Sammy Stewart, he was my boxing coach when I was going to the wild card gym out in L.A., and he would tell me his life story and i was super interested in the the sounds in the gym as like sounds percussion rhythm and then sammy's story which is pretty amazing and i think also his telling of it is pretty amazing yes well how did it begin uh you two getting together to do it was uh sister alex you just related your story of this a man you were boxing with and Travis, you were like enlightened by that or inspired and hey, let's turn the experience yeah, yeah, yeah. into a fucking work of art. Uh, uh, yes, we well, you know, we have a friend in common, uh, Vigo Mortensen, and uh, and Vigo uh, introduced us and uh, thought uh, we would make a good uh, collaborative team. And I don't know if he was aware of the concept or not, but uh, uh, and I had been doing uh, kind of uh, instrumental records uh, with uh, Buckethead and uh, uh, a few other people that were kind of regulars in the studio. And so it was kind of an interesting mesh of the two uh, of the two thoughts, basically. Alex. Yeah, that's. That is, I wanted to, to do something with that, and Travis. Uh, yeah, it was synergistic. Is that? Yeah, that's right. Uh, brought the music, brought the musicians, figured out like how, how can we make, how can we tell this story as a, a musical project. Speaking of the story, tell me about the first powwow you both had. The first powwow with Sammy, or, or like the first first hearing of well, Sammy? Well, you two, was... and if Sammy was involved, of course, but I don't know. What was the first, because you said you weren't friends before the situation, right? You had It was a common friend. <laughs> That's true. But but I, it seemed pretty easy. I mean, it seemed pretty natural, no? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think we... You know, it was an exciting idea. I, I love the idea right from the get-go. And, you know, of course, boxing and gym and the, the rhythms of stuff, you know. I mean, music could be anything from, you know, uh, Beethoven to, you know, an out-of-level washing machine, you know. And uh, and so the the idea of, the, of, the, of those rhythms and uh, kind of uh, basing everything kind of off of that. And uh, I think we first got together. You'll have to correct me, Alex, if I'm wrong. You probably remember this a lot better than I do. But uh, we probably got together with the, the loops of the gym and maybe started to rough things out on tape with the loops. And the uh, and I started to kind of play around with ideas uh, uh, musically. 
And then uh, I think uh, I, on my own, I kind of fleshed out kind of a map. And uh, then we, uh, I, I don't know, if, did we have Sammy before or after that? I can't remember, Alex. We brought Sammy up after that. So we had yeah. the idea and I had I knew his story, but we I wanted it recorded, you know, properly. So we brought him up after that. We had bagels and <laughs> we were there all day long. Okay, I fucked up. I didn't say what we started to show off with. It was actually uh Kazuaki Sujimoto talked to John Coltrane in nineteen sixty six, July nine, about what he eats. And then we had the first Part of this piece, becoming a resource. Now, was, was this the first piece composed? No, it was actually all composed in kind of, uh, but it was an interesting process. It was put together in little bits and pieces. I mean, the whole thing was kind of, uh, uh, who's the producer? My name's uh, Teo, Teo. Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember. Yeah, right? yeah. Teo McElroy. Yeah. You know, kind of, kind of bunch of pieces of stuff, and then you kind of cut it up and splice it all together. And I think once we kind of had an outline, then I brought uh, DJ and Paul into the studio, and there was there was 50 minutes of stuff laid out, and we just played to it all in one shot. Uh, and and Alex, you were there. Do you recall that? Yeah, we had we had it as one single track song, basically. Oh, we cut it up when, what, when what, we were... let's let's let's. Uh... Hold back a little bit, still in the concept phase. Did you do like kind of a storyboard, like somebody making a movie or a TV show? Uh, maybe not visually, not like a visual storyboard, but we we talked through a lot of the, what uh, in terms of sounds. Is that what you're asking? No, I mean the way it, it came about. I'm I'm really curious on how it evolved. I didn't. We didn't do a visual storyboard, but I knew the story that Sammy was going to tell. And then when he came up, we recorded him for like hours, four hours, five hours. So, so in a way, you superimposed Sammy's story with your own experience. No, or, it's really Sammy's story. It's a tribute to and, Sammy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's he. You know, when I would go in the gym, and then even when I was there trying to record the sounds of the gym because I was so interested in that that he wouldn't stop talking he's a big talker so I was just like okay I'm going to get his whole you know his whole story but I also found it pretty interesting what you know what he had to say about it it seems he runs out of gas by the end because I'm tired right is the last part I'm tired. It's, it's, yeah. Well, you know, it's exhausting. Watch. <laughs> I should yeah, know. Yeah, you know yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. I, I, I'm going to step all over you, but uh, I'll try to be. Uh, I'll try to behave. But you know, basically, I think Alex, you ask him one question, and he was gone. And he was telling his whole story, you know, and it was it's a linear story. And he starts at the beginning and he kind of ends when he ends, you know, at the end of his career. And he just went and he was a marvel, amazing storyteller, uh, punctuating things and uh, uh, high energy. And, you know, basically we had our piece of music that we kind of laid out and we kind of wove him in cutting his interview up. But we kept the timeline and we would kind of just musically stick it where it worked. But it's really his story and his telling. But also, but but actually, you had the music ahead before you heard the story. Yes. Well, 
Yes. But but Alex, you must have had like kind of because you had already been rapping with this guy. He's helping you at the gym, so you kind of had a little insight, right? I did, yeah. And also, he that title, like he used to when he was training me. He used to always he knew I was I was living in L.A. because I was writing for TV for television, and he used to always tell me that he wanted me to make a show called Running After Deer. And I didn't know what this show was that he was imagining, but I asked him about it and he said he he wanted a TV show that went to different countries and followed their hunting practices in the countries. And it would be called Running After Deer. That's a trip. Well, look, here's the second part. It's called the Liberian Boxing Team. Let's listen. Boxing, huh?
Thank you.
For Pedro Show, that chunk of music started off the second part of this run with Dear Peace Opera Concept. The Liberian Boxing Team, Alex Lambert, Travis Dickerson. And we had Petra Hayden doing All Anxiety. Thank you, Mr. Burns. Alan Ravenstein with Theme for New Year. 
First time saw Perubu, he had his boxes up there, right, with no keyboard on a tabletop. I'd never seen something like that. Which I, I, I was kind of thinking of you, Sister Alex, because you're listed in the credits as samples. That ain't keyboards. I think no. <laughs> Brother Travis is more of a keyboard. In fact, I want to investigate your music thing, because you've been on the show before, but he hasn't. So we got to investigate his journey a little bit. Then Absolutely. we had Flight Path. Live at the Eugene Difficult Music Ensemble New Music Fest 2023, Day 2, composed by Anuj Bhutani, performed by the Eugene Difficult Music Ensemble. I heard ter terrible news about Eugene. The weekly there, people embezzled all the fucking bones, so it's out of the race. Uh, Tony Oxley, just lost brother Tony. Brushes. Incredible stick man, beating his hand. Barry Stock, riding with Gomez. Victoria Shin, she's got this, you know, she invents her own instruments. So this is like three different speed records, all like kind of melted on each other, and she plays them. She has styluses on each of her uh, fingernails. And then finally, the next part of the big running with Deer piece, what the fuck? Alex Lambert. <laughs> Travis Dixon. So, Brother Travis, please bring your earliest musical recollection. Let's learn about your journey. Let's see. My, my earliest recollection. Uh, you know, like the first music that kind of uh, I was aware of and it affected me. I've uh, had people on the show whose their first musical recollection is actually being inside their ma, you know, pre-uterus <laughs> liberation time. No, no, my memories don't go back that far. But yeah, me. I, I would say, I'd say my first recollection is actually a pretty indelible one, uh, and it it, uh, it had to do with the Huntley Brinkley News Hour, which uh, my which I wasn't the Huntley Brinkley News Hour at the time. In fact, it was like fifteen minutes of news, and my parents watched it religiously every day. Uh, but at the end of that, uh, Beethoven's Ninth played for some length of time over the over the credits. And uh, and I remember being fascinated by that. And, uh, you know, I was very young. You know, we're talking what, four, five, six, something like that. And uh, but uh, it really stuck with me. And, and I think some years later, uh, you know, Clockwork Orange came out and uh, I saw that. And I remember just being hit in the solar plexus. Uh, Same music, music, right? It's also known as yeah, Ode to Joy. Holy smoke, is this stuff powerful, you know? <laughs> it was really, you know, that thing where, you know, music connects with you, you know, in, in some way. And uh, and that, so that was really my first and most indelible uh, music experience. Now, the pad you grew up in, was there musical instruments? No, no, there was no music at all. My parents listened to some classical music, and my mother listened to jazz, and... Uh, and, uh, and but they were into popular music. They listened to Dylan, so I was exposed to that. And uh, no, I'm talking about uh, instruments, like shit for you to operate. No. Okay. Not. What about uh, school? Like, were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? I was not. No. Okay. No. Okay. I, started, I wasn't there, so yeah. you got to. When I get the mind reading shit down, I won't have to bother you with questions uh, Please, let me ask you this what was the first record you bought with your own money 
Oh, that's easy. It was, uh, I saw her standing there. I want to hold your hand. 45, yeah. 45. Did you get out of, let me ask you this. Did you get out of a drugstore? Uh, yeah, it would have been the local five and dime. I got like I tell yeah. younger people that you used to get records at drugstores. Yeah. Tower Records started up, up in Sacktown, right? What was the first right. gig you saw? Uh, well, the first gig I saw was the MC5 in, uh, in 1968 at a love-in in Island Park in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And uh, that's where I came of age. And my dad taught fine arts at Central Michigan University. And uh, they had uh, the MC5 and uh, I'm going to say Frigid Pink or one of the other Southern Michigan bands. And then uh, it was an amazing experience because uh, uh, my dad knew one of his students was a, an opening band uh, for them. And uh, he invited us to come and we sat and I sat on the bass amp and it was a serious thumping. Michael and, Davis. Uh, made... I say again. Michael Davis. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we lost him. Yeah, he yeah, spent was... the last of his years. He, I think cancer got him up in Chico. Let me ask you this. Uh, you end up on the keyboard. How? <laughs> yeah. How? Well, I actually started off playing drums uh, with uh, with my brother. We formed a band, you know, like everybody else in our generation after the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan Show. And uh, he played guitar. And, um, and then I tried my hand at guitar. And uh, he got better and better at it. And then uh, my dad traded a painting for a old beat up piano, which sat in our living room. And I just took to that thing. Uh, I just banged on it whenever I could. Uh, and I remember my folks, uh, we had dinner and then the news came on and there was like uh, 15 minutes between when the table uh, when they left the table and they went in to watch the news and the piano was in the room where the news was. And I had those 15 minutes every day I could play the piano. And, uh, and I, I, I loved it. I looked so forward to those 15 minutes every day. And I was, you know, kicked out at the end of the 15 minutes. But uh, that began my love affair of the piano. Now, I've had guests on the show go through this ordeal known as the piano lessons. And it almost made them want to quit music. Right. Did you go no, through I, such a thing? I did not. No, no lessons. Okay, of any kind. okay, okay, okay. I think a lot of it's not the idea of lessons. I think it's the idea. Some people ain't cut out to be that kind of work, that kind of teach uh, teacher or something. Uh, you know, I asked you if there was any instruments where you're growing up. I guess not at first. Yeah. Okay. Now, you say you're like you and your brother's band. Your brother enlisted you, right? Uh, we were, no, we kind of, uh, we kind of formed it together, you know, my brother. Yeah, because I'm going to ask you, not, I'm not talking graduate, but after school in the afternoon, you guys did the basement band, the bedroom band, the garage band. Yes, definitely. Now, did this band get a name? Was it more than a duet? It was called the Recuperators, and it was just the two of us, drums and guitar, and us howling. Was there yeah. ever a Recuperator gig? No. <laughs> it was just a practice band. No, me and D. Boone yeah. did that shit. Yeah. And in fact, 
tell me about the material. Were you trying to copy off records like me and Dee Boone, or were you actually trying to compose your own stuff? We were writing our own stuff. Oh, that's called. beautiful. Because <laughs> I hated that. No, no one we knew until we were exposed to the movement, you know, graduated high school in 76. So we, no one in our town wrote their own shit. The best guy was the guy who could play Black Dog the best, you know. Fucked up. <laughs> it's real fucked up. So, do you remember the first song you wrote? Not, I mean, no. I, I remember Because at that point you're playing that, drums, right? You're not playing piano yet. Yeah, but man, why can't drum? You know, Chico Hamilton had trouble getting songwriting credits. That's so fucked up where they don't think drummers are actual musicians. No, I know. It is weird, you know? Hey. And, uh, and same with baseball players, right? Well, I ain't going to get like that, but <laughs> Willie Dixon, you know, Brother Matt went to Willie Dixon's pad and he opened up a drawer and he said, there's 200 songs in there I ain't recorded yet. Yeah, just, that to, man could write just saying, right? Yeah, right. That comes, time's full of coffee. Uh, but, okay, when you made the switch to the piano, did you still do the duet, uh, the Recuperators with your brother? No, no, no. Okay. It's, I think we we're what nine years old or something when we were doing that, and uh, and then uh, then we kind of fell apart, you know. And he went on to do his own guitar stuff, and I just kind of concentrated on uh, on the piano a little bit for a couple of years. And then once I kind of learned how to play the thing enough to play with him, <laughs> then we got back together and started uh, doing the same thing, all original stuff again. You know, it was years before I I tried to cover a song. No, I think it's beautiful, man. I love hearing that. I have people on. Well, I remember meeting the Black Flag guys. Like, hey, you guys don't. Ooh. The only song they copied was Louie Louie. I said, you guys don't copy song. It was like a whole, yeah, it blew my fucking mind. Now, look, we're at the end of the fir uh, first hour of the January 1, 2024. Watt Pedro Show special guest, Ax Lambert, Travis Dickerson. Hold time for hour two. January 1, 2024, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. When I first came to America, I didn't see the first white person I saw that looked like they were pregnant. But the goddamn payphone, he was rolling instead of walking. I'm like, son of a bitch. Isn't this a, isn't this a bitch? I'm like, wow, this is the secret of the American man hiding from everybody else. They got pregnant men in America. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take that nobody your size in the in the in the country that's boxing. Scale. See, you're not even 112 pounds. The lightest person we have fighting is 112 pounds. And they, they walk around for like 120. We lost eight pounds to fight. I said, look, man, I want to fight. He said, no. I started begging him. I went back to that gym. Every day for three months.
the love and everything. I mean, I'm, I think after the boys that do drinking. Everything he teaches them, I go home and practice. They took me one night, one night, from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. to learn how to skip rope, like the guys in the gym.
go in there every day. He told me, okay, I will train you. But I think he did this just to uh, discourage me. He drew two lines on the floor. You put your left foot here, put your right foot here, and hold your hands up. I did that for two months. Two hours every day. I went there. For two months, two hours. I stood there like that. And these guys will be jumping around, training and doing all that shit. For two months, at the end of the day, the second month, he told me, it's okay. Join the boys, go run. I went to run with them. Went up, ran, came back. And he said, okay, you're going to a skip rope. I want you to stand here and do this. I said, yeah, but I want to skip rope too. He said, you don't know how to skip rope. I said, yeah, that's it. Okay, go ahead, skip rope. I started skipping rope. I was just as good as they were. Like, Who taught you how to skip rope? I said, you guys did. I came there, I watched, I learned, and I learned. The shadow boxing time came, and he trying to show me, and I started doing it just like these guys they were doing. And he was surprised. So from there, Give me a little more respect for my courage. So, from the day I started boxing, six months later, I was the uh, flyweight champion of the country.
fights. Nobody went past the rims. Everybody got knocked out in the second round. Then I found girls. <laughs> you can't even leave. Yeah, this show went next to those in your Pedro show start off second hour with the big piece this is what fourth part and uh, Alex Lambert Travis Dixon rum uh, chasing deer chasing after deer right running after running after deer fuck I already it's another senior <laughs> moment right sorry okay <laughs> this part's called pregnant in America and it probably relates to a story, right, from your pro tag. He, he, uh, yeah, I know. He, when he first came to the States to fight in the Olympics, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he saw Americans. He had never seen these incredibly fat, he saw this incredibly fat man waiting at the payphone, and he just thought he was pregnant. Because oh, you mean part of his story is an immigrant story. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so he went back to his boxing team and he was like holy shit they have pregnant men in america but it makes sense that he's concerned with hunting because these guys obviously ain't hunting worth shit they're (laughs) just eating a bunch of process you know somebody once told me if it comes in a box you're going out in a box (laughs) fuck that (laughs) right okay okay 
Interesting. Interesting. You know, what was bitching, too, when I was reading the credits, Don Bonebreak. I mean, I saw him with the eyes before the X guys got him. Love that oh, guy. Yeah. One time, get this, about seven, eight years ago, they have us doing their 40-year things. John Doe made that happen. But Don came and fucking did a Minutemen song where he's playing the vibes with us. Because he's bad on the vibes, too. Did he do any vibes on this? Not on this, but I've done a lot of stuff with him where he's played vibes. He's fantastic. Yeah, he is. And, man, his spirit. And he's got the best punk name when was born with it. <laughs> Didn't need to make it up. Yeah, that's what I mean. People used to think me and D. Boone had made up names, but no. Neither did Don. And, uh, yeah, some, somebody told me his origin story, like a valley guy, and he lost his parents early. And uh, yeah. just just sweetest guy. Also, uh, his wife, you know, they're just great people. And so you, how did you meet Don? Uh, I met him in the record store I was working in uh, when I first came out here. Uh, he lived in North Hollywood at the time, yeah. and I was working at, at a record store called the Auditory Odyssey in North Hollywood. And he would come in and buy records, and... Uh, uh, we kind of hit up conversations and started talking about music, and then uh, I asked if he'd be interested in playing with us. And uh, you know, eventually, I mean, he played with everybody. He was everybody's drummer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And you know, look, a little tangent here, but people, just like little clubs, like how many bands were started at fucking Arena Rock Nuremberg Rally show? How many were started at a club? Same thing. You're meeting people at record stores. We've missed, we've lost out on that whole connect. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Uh, anyway, after that, the Pregnant Men in America piece, the, Melvin Gibbs got brand new stuff here at Bassman. Vibro. We heard Bob Lord at the Biological Effects. He's a Bassman. And a composer. <laughs> yeah. Alex Lambert, Travis Dixon with the fifth part, Jockey. Enlighten us. Enlighten you? Alex? I said us. Uh, well, he, becoming a racehorse, is just, that's when uh, uh, he felt like he was being trained to become a to become a racehorse as a boxer, as a leg on that team. A racehorse itself like or a, the guy who rides on the racehorse? <laughs> well, yeah, but... But he was talking about being the racehorse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in the old days, yeah. That's why, like, the ice cream truck doing Camp Town Ladies, and there's some fucking baggage there. Okay. In fact, <laughs> Reza came up with a tune. He was going to give people these ice cream trucks royalty free. He said, just don't play that fucking tune anymore. That tune is, that's, yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh, right? Leghorn, Foghorn, whatever the fuck. Warner Brother. Mary Melodies, Mary Melodies, that's his name. Anyway, so uh, th there's some complexity, right? Okay, yeah, some nuance to the thing. It's trippy how the music came first. Right? And it just seemed like as you laid it out and then you heard the story, it just seemed to lay in place. Yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to, to fathom how it was put together because it was put together so strangely, really. That's why I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, in yeah, another way, just... not strangely, it seems very organic because it's a man, his tail, a person's tail, and then people want to collaborate and come together to make a piece. 
Uh, so in a way, it seems like, yeah, what other way? You know, maybe something else would be too, like, what do you call it, uh, pre, uh, uh, too self-conscious, too, you know what I mean? So maybe yeah, all you, the chaos was fucking important. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think uh, having having the guys come in and play from the beginning to the end of the piece that was already kind of traced out yeah. gave a lot of spontaneity to it. You know, that's just that's just live stuff. We're just playing. Okay. You know, and uh, and so, then Buckethead came in after and laid his guitar on. And what what I'm thinking, he's Santa Monica guy, right? Uh, yeah. He's yeah. Maybe we shouldn't Claremont. like put that on the Claremont. <laughs> Claremont. So, yeah, that's a little bit of ways from. I think originally he was Santa because I met that man once. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Without the fucking Colonel Sanders you know, <laughs> headgear, and uh, so you know, it seems like a lot of the fucking uh, I don't know f- finesse and massaging of the piece was probably done in the editing, right? Yeah, that's why I was thinking of that, uh, Teo um, uh, Marcito. Teo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking like Miles on the Corner, stuff where yeah, you do the big old jams. and then, Yeah, okay. Sacred right. did the same thing with the World Broken Record. Well, look, let's listen to part six here, the African toy. I try to be the fastest. I try to be the best. And watch everyone's style. And try to take something from everybody and incorporate it into my style. And if I can do that, nobody can be mad and care what size you are. Goddamn, the African toy. West you, boost you, boost you, boost you. West you, boost you, boost you, boost you.
Machado. Those of y'all who don't know who we are, we're called Mazinga. We're from the 90s. My name is Mark, and I'm a motherfucking Pisces. Right fucking now! God damn right. Mazinga, Mazinga Zeto. Y'all don't know about Mazinga? Yeah, that's right. Mazinga. I'm trying to learn that song, but it's in Japanese. I don't speak it. I don't speak it. It's Soshi. Giant toys from the 70s that were fun to play with. Arigato gozaimashita. I can't speak much. I don't know what hell, where this Texas accent came from, but for some reason I'm stuck in it.
train, you train, or you fight, you fight. You know, that's how my boxing thing started, and my life went on after that. I got to New York, and shit, this is America for real. Like, what the fuck? I mean, damn. It made no goddamn sense.
from Pedro Show. We're ta- off air. You know, I'm, I'm finally getting on to it now. You know, it's kind of a Frank Morgan thing, people. You know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And that was the <laughs> motherfucker behind the curtain, right? He got there, the balloon crash, right? Anyway, sausage factory <laughs> stuff, people. I mean, he comes out the ear, uh, speakers here and into my ears. And then I'm wondering about how it got there, right? We started that chunk of music off of the sixth part of the big piece. Running After Deer, The African Toy, Alex Lambert, Travis Dixon. Wharton Tears after that. He's got a brand new uh, record, and this is uh, Ode to Punk Rock. Wharton had a fun city. I, that's, I got, he recorded uh, Lou Rinaldo doing uh, Visions of Johanna, and that's where I got to record with Bob Quine. And everybody said, watch out, Bob Quine's going to tear your head off. He's a belligerent motherfucker. And he was the most nice man in the world to me. Shows to go you, right? The 1164s after that with hashtag ACAB, wire lines with all-purpose cleanser. That's a title. Right, whatever, right? Watch this out of your fucking life. I think it was one of a tagline on one of Raymond's uh, pieces. The Stooges. This is when Madonna got her... Uh, Call a lame thing, and she didn't want to play, so she had the Stooges and us doing her burning up. The Walled Dork, New York City, March 10, 2008. Mazingata, Ann Arbor. That should be. It ain't central music. You know, the Sonic Youth uh, drummer man was Midland, Michigan. Right? Because Michigan people always show you their hand when they want to show you where they live. So he's right in the middle of the park. <laughs> uh, 5.47. And then finally, Alex Lambert and Travis Dickerson with part seven. It makes no goddamn sense. Enlighten us, please. I mean, does, isn't that one self-explanatory? <laughs> okay, that's that's very illuminating. I feel like, I feel like yeah, that's a kind of a blanket expression for his uh, take on humanity. <laughs> Right, but you're getting to know this cat every time you go to the gym to work out, right? So you more and more. Probably yeah, first yeah. impression, you know, which drew you to him, and then more and more, yeah. He had a whole theory of of God being like an angry boss, and you go to work for the angry boss, and you can't quit because you need the job. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, he, he, he talk about enlightening. He could re- bring things to relate things. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. absolutely. Yeah, there's a world of Sammy that we all right. can benefit from. Yeah, people understand. Sympathy is feeling sorry for somebody. Empathy is actually feeling what they're yes, going through. Yeah, big difference, right? No patting on the head. Uh, look, we're at the end of the second hour, January one, twenty twenty-four. This Wapito show special guest, Alex Lambert. Travis Dixon, hold tight for our three. January 1, 2024, it's the third hour of the Watch from Pedro Show. Come on. America, outside of America, people look at you as like this big fucking giant. Like nothing can touch. You turned to a fucking pussy. Man. Like, man, isn't, isn't that fucking 
make no goddamn sense.
You might have the entire sky, but I got blue jays and flies. You might have everything you like, but I got blue jays and flies. You might know what's wrong from what's right. You suck up the day, swallow the night. You might have everything in sight, but I got blue jays in flight. That's right, I got blue jays in flight. You might have lots of money in your drawers, but I got. A blue jay that soars. You might have imported Moroccan tile floors, but I got a blue jay that soars. You might be loved and famous and rich, with servants fulfilling your every last wish. You might forget what it's like to be poor, but I got. Blue jay that soars, and what's more, I got blue jays in flight. That's right. explaining and bet here a part of a poem kind of remembered passion boys being like girls being like boys um, tree branch shuddered by a word wind so bundled with intent meant to be most earnest but at best arms full of confusion Delusion in tune shun the bark pattern. The tree's bark pattern captivates me, holds my moments just 
so hysterious, a Hieronymus history mystery seriousness that laughs anti-mockery, not at me, because it's no. I dropped this guy. He hit me in the, in the nuts six times in three rounds in nine minutes. show start our third hour with part eight of the big piece maybe it's because you're an asshole alex lambert and travis dickerson then cheer accident out of chicago with moving through montana parentheses at night oakland afternoon ensemble with tonopa anybody on the i-10 heading towards cali in arizona knows tonopa i just like saying that fucking word Better than seeing the town before it, right? Buckeye. And I had a fucking weird experience. All these hombres came. Yeah, they because they had a tip off a white Econo line, right? It was, I don't know, 3,000 pounds of methamphetamines, all these shotguns on me. Yeah. Talk about pants shitter, right? It was not conceptual, people. Okay, Elliot Edelman with Blue Jays in flight. And then... Me doing a poem when I was, I was actually playing bass behind Charlie Plymail, but he wanted me to do one, so, so I'm explaining. This is me in the fish town part of Philadelphia, August 9, 2008. Finally, part nine, below the belt, boxing term, Alex Lambert, Travis Dickerson. Usually an illegal move. Get, <laughs> Correct. Correct. You're right, right. And, uh, yeah, kind of the money shot, right? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had some literal below-the-belt stories and some and a lot of metaphorical below-the-belt stories. <laughs> right. Now, now, you know, you, you're at a gym in Los Angeles with him, but he didn't, did he, he didn't come from Africa to Los Angeles, did he? Yeah, Liberia. Oh, he did. It's so there was nothing in between. There was like no New Jersey part, no Florida part. 
No, he can't. But he 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 talks through that entire experience of war, and it's intense. Yeah. It's, an, it's extraordinary his childhood and his life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I ended up reading ten John Coltrane bios, and some of these guys who wrote about him really got into African music and the influence. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, the idea of place, the idea of culture. Uh, you know, I saw pictures, uh, Brother Travis, you had a, you sent me photos, and I could see charts there next to Don Bonebrae. So was shit scored out for him, or was that his own stuff that he used after hearing and what he wanted to yeah. bring to bear? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's a chart maker, you know, and he's a, he's a, a schooled musician. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, he 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 knows all that stuff, and uh, he writes it out, so he knows where he's at. If if he's got an idea where he wants to go, he'll write that out too. And where was he at, as far as where you were at with the piece? Did you bring in all this stuff, or like, did, were you also feeding off his comp? Yeah, so what happened is I had this stuff on tape, and then yeah. I brought Paul and DJ and myself into the room, and we played together. Oh, by the way, a... Paul, great bass. Much respect. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Much respect. And the cool thing is they'd never heard it. They, they just cold played it. Yeah, but that you might know? have been a good thing. It was. It was yeah, you know what I mean? Because then there's no, like, you know what I mean? No filter, no uh, expectation, no premeditated rap or anything. They just are reacting to it in real time in the moment. Total seat of your pants. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Sink swim. Yeah, fantastic. And, and, and how so, did yeah. Paul, did Paul do the same thing, charts and stuff? Or did he react uh, to Don? No, no, he was on his own. <laughs> I, we stuck him in a, in a vocal booth, you know, and he was kind of isolated in there. You know, I couldn't even see him. I could just hear him coming out of the speakers. And uh, and I was playing the Fender Rhodes in the control room, and Alex was in there with me, and then DJ was in the big room. And uh, I don't know what DJ wrote down, really, to tell you the truth, because, you know, he was just kind of playing it with the rest of us, just winging our way through it, just reacting to what was on tape. Right, right, right. But man, the bass goes so good with the drums. So, and they're doing that in the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they played together. They had a band called Orchestra Superstring. You know you what? Know, they kind of, I think they yeah, played they in Pedro once. Yeah, I'm thinking probably. now. It's was it kind of not, this is a bad word, but fusion a little bit. A little, yeah, kind of a jazz. Okay. You know, probably a, a Zappa inspired kind of thing. You know, and it was a trio. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, that's yeah. Alva Music, which is mainly a dance studio, but I think they played there once, and I saw him. I just, I'm such a fan of his. So I might have seen Paul before without even realizing. You probably did. Okay, well, look, we got the last piece here, and it's a little one. And this is the one I said at the beginning. I'm tired. Let's listen. <laughs> I left there John Cole and had to accept advice. Bad luckily for me, I got caught up with a manager who was supposed to have had connections, but made most of the, he made most of the, the wrong choices for me by taking advice that I was uh, something I was not ready for. 
because he's got to have a lot more experience than I did in the world. And then my manager is looking to make money. That when the human being turned into a racehorse, you know, they throw you in there, they get money, and uh, you know, once you, you, you heal up, they throw you back in there. Cause a whole lot of noise. You know, like sometimes people breathe in on politics. Talk about how the shit. Like shit ain't gonna happen. I promise you, you go know, heaven tomorrow. And give you purgatory uh, the day after. I tore, but God bless me some more members.
show last music for this edition we started that chunk off of the last piece running with deer I'm tired Alex Lambert Travis Dickerson then we had urinal cakes of America with theme song <laughs> that's a good title <laughs> to Tema right you Tema a lot Tema uh, tripe soup after that out of Quebec uh May 19, 2017. This is a live excerpt. Chris Burns floated. Uh, so, yeah, I'm interested. I mean, this is a recorded project. Or do you guys have plans to bring this around and do it live? No. That'd be super fun. <laughs> well, you know, we're kind of, this is really, we just kind of re released this thing. It kind of been in obscurity for however long it's been out. Uh, we just finally put it up on the streaming services, you know. So, how long on. has it been out? I didn't know. I thought it was just coming when Sister Alex yeah, wrote me. I thought it, okay. It's I know, it's like a decade. It's a long, old. It's more than that. <laughs> Is Sammy, is Sammy still with us? I'm reading the line for the... Is Sammy still with us? Yeah, yeah, he is. Now, did he hear it? You know, I sent a note about this show. I mean, yes, he's heard the album. What's his reaction? I, I I'm curious. I him about this, and I, I 
it bounced back to me. So I got to find his new email. I'm but curious. Did he ever on. rap to you about his, uh, you know, give you reactions to what became of his uh, oh, relateness story? I mean, he loves it. I mean, he wanted to be a star. He's like, well, he's like, yeah, let's do more of it. Let's turn it into a show. Let's. let's yeah, you mean do gigs? Do gigs? Okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. And what about on the other side of it? You know, keeping stuff recording world. You got you, brother Travis, going to work together on another thing, something like this. I mean, Travis, say the word, Travis, and I will do it. I will be there. Absolutely. We've been talking about this for years of doing something else. I would love to do it. So let's, let's talk about it. Or is the year. We're going to do it. That's you know what right. I forgot That's to ask? Where was it recorded? It was recorded in my studio in Chasworth. I had a recording studio there for 35 years. I love that, man. I love the idea of uh, musicians recording their own stuff. That never happened in the older days. Well, Les Paul yeah. did it. He invented sound on sound. But most cats, right, there was like a Grand Canyon between the musicians and the recorders. So it's in your own pad. Man, it sounds good. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've always loved the technology of recording, and, and I, I did it since I was a kid, you know, and I would take tape recorders apart and put them back together again, and, uh, you know, I've always been a studio animal. You know, I enjoy that much more than playing live. Uh, probably because I'm a bit of a control freak, but uh, but I, I love making records, and I do it every day. I still do it every day. I get up at 5 in the morning, stretch myself out here. I'm in my studio now and make music. Wow, that's beautiful. I love it. Very We're inspiring. We're the pre-dawn team. Yeah. That's right. Now, right now, the Proj lives at that Bandcamp page, right? Uh, no, it could be found on any streaming service right oh, now. Oh, okay, Tyler. great, great. Yeah, it's you said that earlier. I'm an idiot. Sorry. Uh, but can I put the invite out right now? Yes. When you yeah. two make another piece, can you come back on the show? We can play it and talk about it. I love okay. it. Okay. Because I'm really curious to see. Maybe it'll take a little less than 10 years. <laughs> this year, we, we now we made a verbal. It's going to be this year. I got some ideas. Okay, okay. This year, then you're going to be back on the Watt for Pedro show to present it, hopefully. So, January 1st, 2025. Okay, right. you got it. it standing. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the chisel and the hammer out to carve it in stone now. Thank you so much, <laughs> both you truly. You're big inspiration. Uh, big thank love. You. People, of it's course. been the January 1, 2024 edition. The Waffle Pedro shall keep your powder dry.